Welcome to From the Shed End podcast, episode 32, with myself, T-Dot, and Theo, as always. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. I've just had my double espresso, so I'm ready to talk everything Chelsea now. How are you, <laughs> how are you doing? You're ahead of me. I haven't had any, any sort of caffeine today, which is probably why I'm slow and um, just not up to speed with things. But no, I'm good. I'm good. Obviously, we've had a bit of a break. We normally do our, our midweek one, which has come a bit later in the week. But um, yeah, I'm good. Good results. Obviously, we can talk about Norwich um, earlier in the week, at the weekend, last weekend. Carabao Cup action uh, Tuesday, I think it was, against Southampton. We can cover that today as well. And obviously, we're going to look forward to Newcastle. Guided, I'm not going. I tried to get tickets to St. James's Park. It's still on my bucket list of stadiums to, uh, to attend. So, guided, I haven't got there. So, um, yeah, let's start at the, the very beginning because I think, um, obviously, Brilliant result against Norwich. We both kind of called it was going to be an easy game, but we kind of got it completely wrong. I think I went for 4-0. I think you might have said 3-0. Three, three yeah, 3-0 I said. Yeah. Um, he was obviously at the game. Um, he had a really good seat by the looks of it as well. So just give me your thoughts on, on the game. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, we were making those comparisons to to Liverpool, how Liverpool are playing. And we were kind of saying we want to be playing like Liverpool, that we're now in those comfortable wins, you know, when we were beating you know, Norwich, Watford and those teams, 3-4-0, 5-0. And yeah, we went out and we did that. Finally, it was a it was a good, great game, really great game. And 3-0 up at half time is what we've been asking for as well, to have a comfortable second half. And then when um when Ben Ben Gibson got the red card, it almost felt like I felt sorry for Norwich at that point because he just knew, knew that the that you know we'd carry on scoring and we'd be relentless. And but it was a good game. I think it was what we needed. And um as well, you know, looking at that top of the Premier League table, it's so so tight at the moment. And it could be one of those seasons where goal difference may make a difference. You never know. I always say that you know it's best to score as many goals as you can. So having seven goals and a clean sheet at home is really good. And um, yeah, it felt like the right lineup as well in terms of the players who started. Um, it's about a week ago now, so I'm trying to remember <laughs> the exact eleven that started. But um, I think um, I think Christensen was rested. Havertz started. Yeah. I've I mean, got it he, here. Yeah. yeah, Mendy, uh, Reese James, Trevor Chalobah, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Ben Chilwell, Kovacic, uh, Jorginho, Mason Mount, Hudson Odoi. Kai Havertz up front. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I just wanted to touch on Hudson Adoy. I thought he was fantastic. You know, we talk a lot about him maybe fighting his way back into the starting 11. And now with the Werner and Lukaku injuries, you know, it's his time to step up. And boy, did he step up against Norwich. You know, he was playing his more natural position, you know, behind a striker. And he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought that it was Kovacic's ball to, to Hudson Adoy. And he still had to create that space for himself for his goal. And he, he did that fantastically. And he, he kind of, made a brilliant assist for um, for Havertz in the Malmo game in midweek before. And um, then against Southampton, he started as a right wing back, which I still think he, he does a good job, but it's not his natural position. But I thought he was fantastic. And then Ben Chilwell, once again, it's almost like, can we just give him the number nine shot now? Because he, <laughs> I think he's the, he's the first player, I think I put a tweet up, first player since Eden Hazard in 2016 to score in four appearances in a row in a Premier League for Chelsea. So if you oh, go back to that... that. Not a bad stat at all for a left back as well. I'm quite impressed by that. So yeah. um, I think if you go back to the Aston Villa game at the end of last season, then it's the Southampton at home game, the Brentford away, and now Norwich at home. But yeah, fantastic result. Seven goals. Very entertaining. And congratulations well to Mason Mount, who finally got his first professional hat-trick as well. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a game that, I, I mean, we did sort of call it correct because I think we said it was going to be an easy game. Um <clears throat> 
you know, we said it was going to be relatively easy for, for us. We obviously, anyone who's watched Premier League football will see how Norwich have played this season and it's not been the best football. They, they are struggling, obviously, and it continued. I thought I thought it was interesting because I felt, especially going off the back of a Malmo victory, the way that we played, that creativity, that freedom that we've, you know, as Chelsea, some Chelsea fans have been asking for, the Norwich game was probably the best thing to have those two games back to back to be able to do that. And another thing that I thought was really key was not having Lukaku in the team, which I felt, you know, obviously you don't want to see any of your players injured, but I think having Lukaku out the team, it allows that false nine again, that that thing that worked for us last season. You know, we have to look at how we played well in the Champions League and even in some parts of the Premier League as well, how, how we, we played without that false nine all, all last, last season. And it, it did work for us. I just think, Yes, we don't get enough goals, um, you know, in that number nine position as, you know, with an out-and-out striker, but we get goals elsewhere amongst the team. You just mentioned Ben Chilwell game four, you know, back-to-back. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I think it's a strange one with him because I think he's a player that, it's a shame, there's players probably ahead of him, which is why he's never really had a, a decent run in, in the, you know, the starting eleven. And I think had he got that, you know, at some point, even when uh, going back to, you know, when Frank Lampard was there and um, Thomas Tuchel didn't really sort of fancy him. And he's always, always had that Bundesliga carrot being dangled in front of him as well. I think he needs a run of games, ideally for us. You know, he needs a run of games because he he's proven that he can do it at right wing back. He, you know, predominantly he's, he's, you know, left-sided. I think that's where he's more favourable. We've seen that in Malmo and uh, against Norwich as well. But I just thought it was a brilliant performance overall. I thought Reese James... You know, we ha- there's always this debate about Reese James and Trent and um, Aaron Wambasaka, who's the best right wing back or right back. For me, it is Trent and, and Reese James. Um, you know, I think we can have more than one. You know, doesn't have to be just a number one. I think we can have two, and I think they're both arguably just as good. But even the fact that you know Reese James defensively for me is, is is a brilliant defender. But going forward, he scores goals as well. I mean, that goal he scored against Norwich, you know, it's not easy. Striker's um, finish. It was a striker's yeah, finish. Yeah, you've got to be calm on the ball. You've got to get the you know the flight of the ball. You've got to get that right as well. And to, to loft it over the keeper the way he done was was brilliant for me. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you because I, I think we, again we can kind of touch on that when we talk about Southampton was Mason Mount and. Um, there was a lot of criticism, excuse me, um, of his penalty taken. And that was almost raised again against um, Southampton in the cup. But do, do you think he is, I mean, Reese James looks like a brilliant penalty taker. I'll probably have him as, you know, first choice if we haven't got, um, you know, a Lukaku or an Alonso or Jorginho. But Mason Mount's penalty taking has been questioned a few times now, I think. Yeah, I'm remembering, I think he missed the, the deciding one in the cut of the shootout against Spurs in the cup last season. He he missed it, um, the first one that had to be retaken. And I still think this kind of keeper coming off his line thing is slightly harsh at times. But um, and then he missed it in the cup against Southampton on Tuesday. Mm. But, you know, he still it takes a lot of confidence to step up in the first place. If you've got that confidence there, you know, it means that you're, you should be ahead of other players in the first place because you don't want a player that's low on confidence stepping up to take the penalties. Then you also saw Barkley, you know, ask Miles, can I take the second penalty after it was, you know, retaken. And sometimes when a penalty is retaken, it plays in the player's mind, you know, yeah. you know, and the keeper, may, maybe it will have more of an idea of where to dive this time. But I don't know. I do think, Mount should be below Jorginho and Lukaku in the list of penalty takers, maybe even, you know, behind Werner, potentially if Werner's in the, in the starting 11. Yeah. 
But, um, but, you know, with all those players that were, you know, they were on the pitch against Norwich, it makes sense, I suppose, for Mount to step up. And, you know, maybe he, he had in the back of his mind that he could maybe grab another after for the hat-trick. But then after seeing some of those penalties taken by the likes of Reese James, Alonso even, um, Chilwell, when they just like smashed it into the bottom right, right corner with their left foot, I'm starting to think, you know, should we maybe be having a defender step up to take them? So yeah, there's still that big penalty debate, but I think Tuchel has to kind of, you know, control which players take it and you don't want to be kind of seeing players snatch the ball off others to take the penalty. That's the last thing you want. Yeah. But if Mount's comfortable taking them and, you know, he's got he's got the confidence to take them, then let him carry on. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, just before we move on, I wanted to talk about Hakim Ziyech as well, who, again, has sort of got mixed opinions online. I think a lot of people are saying that they've we've probably seen the best of him in a Chelsea shirt now. And for me personally, I don't think, again, he's very much like Callum Hudson-Odoi, but for different reasons. Obviously, his is more down to injuries, but I just don't think he's had a run of games where we can judge uh, Ziyech on what we expect him to do. I don't think he's had that that time at Chelsea to do that. But would you agree with what, I suppose, the masses of, I hate using that word, but the Twitter media, social media, um, you know, what they're saying about Ziyech, that he's probably not what we need at Chelsea? I'm very mixed about Ziyech because I know he's got such a high potential. We saw that at Ajax, we saw that in preseason, we saw that in the Super Cup. But at the same time, as you mentioned, you know, he's not consistently getting the game time. He he needs to prove that, you know, that worth and that quality that he's got. And then when he does play, at the times we have seen him play since preseason, it's just his body language seems a bit off. His he seems mm-hmm. a bit lazy. Tukos mentioned, I think, in last week's press conference that he's still carrying that shoulder injury, kind of. So um that may be a factor to why he's not performing to the level that he should be. But then again, I just know he's a quality player. He's got an amazing delivery. He's got an amazing left foot. It's like a magic wand at times. But it's just whether he can apply that consistently to his, his, his football. And I do think from what we've seen this season, he, he should be, you know, he shouldn't be starting ahead of the likes of Loftus Chief, the likes of Mount, the likes of maybe even Werner. But um, I think he's a, he's a good option, a good squad player to have. But, you know, maybe come next summer, if these injuries keep kind of plaguing his, you know, his game time and also he's not really applying himself properly when he does get the game, you know, the, the time on the pitch, then you start to look maybe alone to like of the likes of AC Milan or something like that, which I think was mentioned last summer. But as I said, we have to remember this is, you know, Ziyech when Pulisic is out of the team as well. So when mm. Pulisic does come back, I think he'll fall like even further behind the pecking order. But I'm, I'm very mixed about Ziyech, really, really mixed. So it's quite hard to give an opinion right now. But I just kind of want to see him, you know, almost a bit less lazy and apply himself a bit more when he does get the, the time on the pitch. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I Personally, I think he's, you know, I think judging him after this season is probably the best thing to do. I think if he gets back to a level of fitness that's acceptable or he can, you know, he can play a run of games, then yeah, judge him at the end of the season. I think he's, I still, I think he's, a, he's got bags of talent. I mm. think we wouldn't have signed him otherwise. And you know, I, I'll be honest, I haven't really watched many Ajax games when he was there. So um, the only ones I probably did get to see was when he played against Chelsea, mm. and you know, he ran the show. So, and he's done it, like you said, you know, Super Cup. I think back to the preseason games, some parts of early last season as well. You know, he, you know, he came back and he was, he was, he was a very good player. You know, he's a good player. So there's, there's a player in there. I think it's just getting the best potential out of him as well. But one thing I wanted to mention, we haven't mentioned, and you did post about it was Edouard Mendy's um, 
well save. He was oh. he wasn't even with his hands. It was almost a, yeah. a, a last ditch tackle from a, a, a you know world class centre back. Um, it was brilliant. You know, it just goes again to to you know add and support what we said about Mendy over the last couple of weeks. How brilliant he is in goal. Yeah, I mean, it also goes to show what a, what a fantastic goal, goalkeeper he is. You know, against Norwich, he probably didn't even touch the board a single time. I can't really remember him pulling off a save or doing much, you know, throughout the game. And then that one moment, I think a small defensive mistake, maybe from Chilwell, I forgot who it was, yeah. allowed, um, I think it might have been Sargent or Norman through. And um, and yeah, and then he kind of just threw himself in front of the ball, stretched, you know, that's what you need a tall keeper for, you know, to kind of pull off those saves. And um, yeah, he kept his clean sheet and fantastic um, save and showed that he was always alert throughout the 90 minutes. So yeah, world-class goalkeeper as always. And, and was it a red card? Was it a second yellow? For for Ben Gibson? Yeah. Or, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I'm also actually quite shocked that um, the player who, who, who pulled, pulled off the handball didn't get sent off actually as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a good point. I was reading about, yeah. It's a goal line. He's, he's he's preventing a goal in a way for his hand, not, not so far off from what Rhys James did against Liverpool. It was almost a really good save when you put it down yeah. to how well it he was. did. You know, so you, you do wonder if that ball was going in the net back of the net had he not, you know, put it pulled his arm up. So um I think Norwich got I want to say lucky there, but at the same time they still lost seven nil. So I think you know it doesn't really make a difference to the score line. But um but yeah, definitely a red card for a second yellow for Ben Gibson. It was a stupid challenge when you're already on a yellow. And that's what I'm starting to think. Like, are these players even playing for Daniel Fark anymore? So, mm. you know, there seems to be some kind of friction. Yeah, I think, they know, so. yeah, I think yeah. they know that, you know, that they're, they're sort of here just to collect six points from throughout the season. Um, like you mentioned, there's obviously tension there as well amongst, um, you know, Daniel Fark and the players. But I think I said it maybe on a, a previous episode or on another podcast, but they're just not, you know, he's just not a, cha- a premiership manager for me. He's, he's someone that I can see, you know, doing really well in the championship, but just when it comes to the premiership, it's just not, it's just not at that level that I think you need to be. But it's a shame for him because I think, you know, Norwich have some, actually, they have, they've got some really good players there, you know, watching them um, against us and also in some of the other games. Individually, they've got some good players, but as a team, they're just not, no. they just don't gel together. So, um, yeah, I think they're they're down and out. But seven seven goals, you know, like you said, a clean sheet, goal goal difference may come into play come the end of the season. So we're going to have to take that. But let's move on to Tuesday, which I thought was a, a very different game. Um, I think he was there again at the bridge mm-hmm. for this one as well. But um, yeah, it was it was a strange game, such a strange game. But give me your thoughts. What what did you think about Southampton and our our near miss of losing out on the cup? I mean, it felt almost like a carbon copy of the the Villa game um, that we played in the cup, um, the, the first round of the uh, Stamford Bridge. And again, it was kind of one of those games where a lot of changes in the lineup maybe favoured you know Southampton to get that goal. I did think they would score. I think I predicted two one on the app. And he ended up being 1-1 and then a penalty shootout. I think Kepa now is loving these penalty shootouts. He knows he can be the hero. He knows what, you know, what it takes to pull off those saves. But, um, but yeah, there's, I think we kind of, it was a relatively comfortable game. I think Sal was fantastic. It's about time, you know, that he, he stepped up and he was, he was great. Maybe slowly getting used now to English football and has had the right amount of training around his teammates. And he was unlucky not to score a few things. Uh, Fraser Forster pulled off you know, three saves from from Sal Naguez, um shots. Um, Habert's got his goal. I'm pleased for him because we're going to need him to to score more often now that um, Werner and Lukaku might be out for a couple more weeks. 
But it was still, you know, really nervy finish, really, really nervy finish. It could have easily been a Southampton um, victory at the end where if it wasn't for Kepa pulling off, you know, I think three saves from corners as towards the end. And um, I think the lineup, maybe I think Tuchel said after the game that Aspi and Loftus-Cheek got injured in training the day before. And yeah. Christensen was coming back, I think, from dental surgery, meaning that he was still in pain and had to miss out. And he said those were three players that would have started the game. I think mean, so maybe Loftus Cheek probably for Barkley, Aspi for maybe Hudson Adoy or Reese James. I think Reese James was playing as one of the three centre backs. And then maybe Christensen would have come in as well because he didn't play against Norwich. So maybe that's why, you know, we kind of looked a bit like it was a team put together, you know, last last set minute. I was quite surprised by the lineup, if anything. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're through now. It's going to be a tough one because I think the game is going to be quarterfinals on December 20th, crammed between, you know, congested, festive period of, fix- of fixtures. But, you know, again, I always say we've got the squad depth. We've got the, you know, this is why we have this type of squads to compete across all the competitions. But it was a nervous game. Um, getting used now to penalty shootouts at Stamford Bridge, weirdly enough. So, but yeah, uh, I did enjoy it towards the end. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it when we were celebrating at least. <laughs> It was it was good. It was a good game. Um, it's strange because I did going into it. I, I did have a bit of nervousness, maybe because, like you mentioned, <clears throat> I didn't expect to see Malang Sar starting. Um, so maybe again, maybe Christensen would have come in for for Malang Sar or played ahead of Malang Sar. Sal um, I, I thought was was brilliant. I thought he was like you mentioned. He's probably got that sort of understanding of the game a bit more in in, in sort of the English where the English games played now as well but I thought Marcus Alonso was was superb mm. I thought you know we've, we spoke about him before um, in terms of you know having that sort of luxury of having Chilwell and Marcus Alonso as your your left backs or your left wing backs but he, he was probably outstanding for me obviously Kepa was, was brilliant as well mm. but it was it was a game that again you know you mentioned um, Kai Havertz it was a game that we needed players like Kai Havers to step up because I don't think realistically where we, where we're going to get a goal from I didn't really see it so I think someone like Kai Havers stepping up he, he you know he done his job he needed to do that like you mentioned he's going to have to do that a lot more now as well so it, it was a good game I thought you know Ch- Che Adams um, Armstrong for, for Southampton played really well um Someone else did that for me now. I can't remember who it was. I think their centre back was fantastic. Lianco, number four. Lianco, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was was brilliant. I didn't know who he was until I kind of like the next next day I watched the highlights and I saw the name on the back of his kit. I think Brazilian centre back they signed this summer, but he was fantastic. I was, I thought it was that Stevens guy that maybe, but it it was Lianco, yeah. I thought Forster was good as well. Yeah, yeah. very solid. Really good, really good goalkeeper anyway, but I thought he was good. So credit to Southampton because I think, you know, they they definitely gave us a game. And like you mentioned, you know, those penalties, we're getting used to them now. But I think, I mean, it, it, it's Reese James. I don't know, you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who can take a penalty, but he always mm-hmm. just steps up and, you know, effort, effortless penalty. But it, the way he does it, it's just so, so brilliant. But um, yeah, you know, I think the thing with the Carabao Cup and which kind of bugs me a lot with some fans is they don't really necessarily keep it as, you know, in their thoughts, you know, they just see it as a, a, a you know, oh, you know the Carabao Cup. But, you know, when we get to the semifinals and if we get to the final and if we win it, you know, everyone's going to be cheering on Chelsea and we're all going to want to win the cup. So, you know, I think we've got to look at these kind of results and just take them as a, you know, a really good victory, regardless of how we, we went through, uh, you know, people call it the Mickey Mouse Cup or whatever they call it these days, but it's still a trophy. 
it's still going to mean something to these players at the end of the season if they win it as well. So, you know, City going out as well. You look at the teams that are left. I think we mentioned earlier this morning, you know, Liverpool is probably our closest um, in terms of, you know, rivals or, you know, teams that might give us a bit of, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but an issue, a problem in terms of trying to win the cup. But you look at all the other teams, even, you know, you know Tottenham, beatable. Um, trying to think who else is in it now. Arsenal, I think Arsenal, Arsenal West Ham, Sunderland. Yeah, you know, they're, they're teams that we, we can beat them on our day. And like yeah. you mentioned, we've got depth. We've got a lot of depth in that squad now. We've got players returning from injury. Pulisic, um, obviously Werner, Lukaku as well. Three big names out. We've got two brilliant goalkeepers, two brilliant left-backs. We've got Reese James or Aspie, right wing-back. We've got a, a luxury of midfielders. It's ours to lose. It really is. We... Liverpool's a brilliant team. They've got world-class players as well, but I want them in the next round. I said that this morning. I want them in the next round, not just because it's local to me, but I think if we can knock them out in the quarterfinals, you know, what a a brilliant way to win. You know, if we can knock out Liverpool two rounds before the final, why not? Yeah, it would definitely, because I think we haven't been, um, we haven't won the League Cup or we haven't even been in the League Cup I know we won in League Cup final in 2019 we haven't won it since 2015 when we beat Spurs at Wembley and it just goes to show that if you do take this tournament seriously and you actually you know apply like you, you, play, you play a decent team and you kind of go you, you feel the team that can win the games like we saw this season I suppose with the depth we have then you can easily win it we saw City have won it the last four years in a row and that's because they've actually you know they've taken it seriously I think Tuchel's that type of manager that I think he even said in his press conference, like, regardless, yeah, we've got an issue now. Um, December, we've got another fixture in the calendar, but we want to kind of win every single one of our games. We want to we want to compete in every single tournament, and that's what he's doing at the moment. So I think regardless of it's Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, West Ham, I think we will go out, you know, on, on the 20th of December, we will play a team that will want to win that game. And it's also players that maybe don't play as regularly, so we'll want to impress, so we need a reason more to want to win. But, um, but yeah, I'm pleased that we've qualified and... So it was a big crowd of Southampton fans as well. So it made it even yeah. more wanting to win and leaving the stadium. I think they were throwing like water bottles on Chelsea fans and all that. So I was like, you know, you saw losers. I'm glad that we've won that. So yeah. It made it, yeah. it made it a, a bit more sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So who, who's your prediction for the next round? Who do you think will be, um, will be facing? I think the draws on Saturday morning, which is so strange. It's a Saturday. It's normally, you know, after the last round of games, but who, who's your, uh, your, your money on for, for us to get in the next round or who do you like who would you I, like actually better question I mean I'd, I'd like Sunderland at home it'd be an easy fixture we can rotate even more potentially in the squad but I think we'll get West Ham away oh, I think they're the dark horses I really mm. do I'd rather avoid them until the final because I think I think they're they're playing some amazing football not just in the Premier League but in Europe in the Europa as well the way they played against Man City as well. And they didn't even have their strongest team out as well. Yeah. So that for me, they're, they're due something soon. You know, obviously they're building on this Europa, you know, they got Europa, European football last season. The next stage of that now is to get a trophy. And this is probably the, arguably the easiest trophy out of the, you know, the three of them to, to get. True. So, um, or four in their instance, because obviously they, they can still win the Europa League. But, yeah, I want to try and avoid them. I, I'd love Liverpool. I, I think if we played Liverpool in the Carabao Cup, maybe not Anfield actually, maybe at Stamford Bridge. I think I p- prefer to play them at Stamford Bridge, but 
um, yeah, if we can get them, I think we we can beat them. I really do. Yeah. I think I think they're they're beatable. If I'm honest, I don't think Klopp would potentially put out his strongest team. I think he would, you know, he likes to use the the youngsters like he did last night as well. He plays a lot of the youngsters, or you know, a Minamino, a, a Dikovarigi who scored a brilliant goal. To be fair, last night, but um, it, you know, I think if he plays those sort of players, you know, Nico Williams. You know, even if we put up a, a Ross Barkley or you know a, a, a Malang Saar in in centre back, you know it, it's 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 a winnable game. It's a winnable game. Yeah, Ross Barkley will want to score against Liverpool as well. I feel given he his Everton roots. Yeah, he does love to but, score. Um, I think he scored a screamer against the uh, yeah against Liverpool FA Cup, FA Cup, ran yeah. across the pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, but also I was thinking, should we get to the semi-finals? That potentially it might be Billy Gilmore back in January as well, which means <laughs> you know another. Shout another midfielder that could maybe, you know, play a role or maybe he'll be sent back out on loan, but that's another option in the, in midfield potentially. Very good shout. Very good shout. So as I said, the draws on Saturday, I'm not going to mention where, but if you know, you'll know, I hate the program. So I'm just not going to give it any sort of credit, but um, I think, I think the program starts at 10.30 in the morning. So I'll just keep an eye out, but yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about, um, the draw in our next episode as well whoever we've got whether it's Liverpool Sunderland or West Ham but we'll talk about that in the next episode but let's go to Saturday 3pm big game this is actually a really big game as as much as we're probably expected to win it's probably the worst time to play Newcastle United in my opinion yeah yeah it's not is it it's like they still got the same squad but there seems to be a bit more energy and the fans are, you know, a lot more lively than they were when Steve Bruce was there and Mike Ashley was there. So it's a bit of a, especially away from home, you know, St. Yeah. James's Park is never an easy ground to go to, regardless of the form of Newcastle, especially for Chelsea. We don't have the best of records there. I think we won there last season relatively comfortably. But I think all the seasons before, you know, it was kind of very, very hit and miss. So um, I'm quite nervous for it. 3 p.m. as well is won't be televised in the UK. So I'm going to have to find it a dodgy stream, maybe, you know, <laughs> watching it, you know, probably with a you, slight you lag. Millions which, of us as well. Yeah, millions of us watching in the UK and um, <laughs> with a lag as well, which will be me refreshing Twitter to, you know, know if we've scored, missed the penalty or whatever. So um, yeah. I'm slightly nervous. Um, and I think Sam Maximan is probably the player that I'll pick out for Newcastle along maybe with Callum Wilson, who will provide them with their, you know, their biggest threat in front of goal. I do think that if we kind of, you mentioned it before, probably the football we played against Norwich with no Lukaku and no Werner was probably the most fluid football we played all season. So if we kind of replicate that against um, against uh, Newcastle, then I'm quite confident. But then we've kind of, you know, we're so used to keeping clean shoots, but I think Saturday could potentially be, you know, I can see Newcastle scoring, you know, in front of their fans, which makes it a bit more nervy. They're still yet to win this season, which is the one thing that I'm thinking maybe gives us a bit more bit more hope but then again they probably do that win soon which makes me even more nervous so um yeah it's the same group of players though it's the same group of players that haven't been performing all season so we'll see but I'm quite confident I think we'll win but I'm still I'm still quite nervous it's going to be quite a tight one yeah yeah definitely I think it's um yeah I think it's going to be a very sort of strange game I think because there's always that sort of um, when you play teams that are at the bottom of the league, especially when they haven't won a game as well, you always expect them to pick up points somewhere. And 
we usually we are usually that team where they pick the points up and we give them a you know a nice three points um which you know if if that happens and we you know we do we do lose then it's I mean it's not crisis time but it's definitely it shouldn't be a team we shouldn't be losing to them you mentioned it just before you know it's the same team that was under Steve Bruce I just think the difference I watched them against Tottenham and yeah, they lost. In, they, you know, they crumbled near the end of the game. But just the fans, just hearing, just that difference that wasn't there when Steve Bruce was there. That's like a twelfth man at, at times, and mm. a ground like you know St James's, which is you know fully cap- uh, capacitated all the time. It's never, regardless of who the manager is or when Mike Ashley was there. It's 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 a ground that you know you don't want to go to when you know things like you know you could be playing them and. You know, they score a hat trick against us or something. So it's going to be um, it's going to be tough. I think, like I mentioned before, you know, Lukaku not being in the team, I think, is probably um, almost a blessing in disguise. I don't think that game would suit him anyway. And I think going off the back of like you just mentioned, Malmo, Norwich, those two games where we've had that fluidity and been able been able to have that a bit more creativity and that freedom to to play a bit more. Um, that false nine works for us. I just think it's something that we need to we need to obviously utilise now we've got no choice but I think like you mentioned St Maximum I think for me is one of the, the I mean again I watched him against Tottenham and he's he's all over the place he's in defence he's you know running the ball straight through he takes on players as well so I think our centre-backs are going to be in for a tough a tough day I, I, I think we, we we may not see sort of Reese James or whoever's on the right wing back left wing back getting forward as much as well because I think on the counter they are really really good so that worries me as well, but they haven't won a game all season. So that again, like you mentioned, that kind of makes me feel, I think they've conceded like 20 goals that, you know, that their defensive record isn't the best. So I look at those kind of things and I think we should be winning. We shouldn't be losing against Newcastle, but it's like that new manager syndrome, although they haven't technically got a new manager, it must feel like that for them, knowing that they've got this, you know, these new owners in who are willing to spend, you know, players are going to want to play for the new owner. The new owner is going to be sitting in the stadium. They're going to actually want to play football and, you know, give, give apart from John Joe Shelby, who as I think in the Tottenham game lasted about 20 minutes or 15 minutes. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be really close. I, I think we'll win. I think it will be 2-1. Mm. I agree with you. I think they'll score maybe from a set piece, something's clumsy. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll win 2-1. And I think we've got to, because I think Liverpool play at three o'clock as well. So it's going to be, as much as I don't like watching other teams and what they're doing, but we can't really afford to slip up against a team like Newcastle. No, it's it's so close at the top of that table that, you know, these are the type of games that we need to be winning if we want to stand a chance of staying in that for top spot. I do think it's kind of almost us trying to overthink it, you know, with, you know, Newcastle's change of, you know, firing the manager, their new ownership. But at the same time, it's a game that we should be winning. I think they will score Newcastle, like I mentioned, mainly due to the fact that players maybe like Christensen, Aspie, Loftus-Cheek might not be fit for that game still. So um, that's maybe my play in Newcastle's favour, but we still have the quality to deal with, the, you know, to fill in those gaps should those players not make an appearance. And I'm going to have to agree with you with the scoreline. I think it's going to be 2-1. I made my predictions on the app um, this morning up at 2-0 simply because we know we, we love those clean sheets. We keep them all the time. But I think this is the type of game that we will concede. Like you mentioned, probably some some sloppy tap-in from a set piece or something like that that, you know, will go Newcastle's way. 
or maybe even some dodgy penalty that will be given. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think we went to, to I'm going to stick with 2 1, but it's going to be a really nervy, I think, last 10, 20 minutes, like we yeah. saw against Brentford away, I think. So um, I'm not looking forward to it anyway. It's one of those games, unlike the Norwich one last weekend, I'm not looking forward to this one. Yeah, and I think as long, I mean, if we can get three points, then brilliant, because I think not just Liverpool, but I think City play at three o'clock against Palace, I think, as well. So. Again, I'm not watching sort of the table or what other teams are doing, but we just can't. I mean, this is a game if Steve Bruce was in charge, we probably wouldn't even be saying half the things we're saying. You know, we, we would be expecting three points because it's Steve Bruce in charge. It's the team that's there now. But I just, again, that new lease of life in a club, sometimes it can just, it can just get you over the line. And you've got to remember as well, I think obviously Newcastle haven't played this week. We've, we played against uh, game Saturday, game Tuesday, and then the game Saturday. So yes, they're professionals. It's you know spread out nicely and evenly across the week, but they've had a nice long rest as well. So, um, you know, when you think about it in those kind of terms as well, you know, they might be a bit more fresher. They might be up for a bit more, but not taking anything away from our club. You know, I think we've, we've got enough definitely to win. We should be we should be beating them. They're bot I think they're bottom of the league, aren't they? I think or nineteenth. Joint, joint bottom of Norwich or just above Norwich. Yeah. I think yeah, I think they're joint with Burnley. I'm sure mm-hmm. Burnley Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. But who who we play next actually, Burnley after Newcastle. Yeah. I mean these are games that again, I hate using that word winnable or easy mm-hmm. fixtures because there's no such thing, but they're games where we are not the underdog and we should be going out there playing like we're not the underdogs. And I think we have to do that. We have to we have to take the game to them. Uh, ideally, in an ideal world, I'd love us to score two early goals. Mm. Calm that sort because of, I think there'll be some nervousness. I think they'll be on both sides. I think Newcastle obviously will want to perform a lot better than they did against Tottenham. Um, I think they got a draw, didn't they, last weekend against Palace? I think it was Callum mm. Wilson scored for them. So they'll they'll want to obviously perform better than they did against Spurs um, at St James's. So yeah. 2-1 I think we should win I can't it'd be, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see who Tuchel plays as well I think who what starting 11 he goes with because you do wonder you know do, do you give Sal Niguez a bit more mm-hmm. game time because he did play really well against Southampton or you know do you drop him again and bring in you know the usual suspects that are normally there so it's going to be a tough one yeah. Kante apparently was um he was lacking some match fitness, but maybe back in time. Um, so I think, I don't think Tuchel right now, as we're talking now, has his kind of starting 11 set in stone for, for Saturday. I think it's completely going to be based on the next, you know, today, today's training session and tomorrow's training session. Um, and, you know, how well they train and who seems, you know, sharp for the game, whether Loftus-Cheek, Aspie and Christensen, those players that I mentioned who didn't feature in midweek with injuries, whether they're fit and ready to play on Saturday. So I don't think he's got our starting 11 in his mind. We could potentially see the same kind of, you know, back line of, you know, or back three at least of maybe a Chiloba, a Saar, and um, well, actually maybe not Saar because we've got um, Rudiger and that Silva who can fill in. But I think, you know, yeah. those, those, I think um, Chiloba may feature again, which will mean, I think, three games in a row for him because he played against Norwich as well. Yeah. But, um, but again, the type of player that you look at him and you forget how young he is and, you know, that this is his first day, you know, season in the Premier League because he looks so comfortable and, you know, he looks... So, you know, like he's been playing for Chelsea for many, many years, or at least in the first team for many, many years. So um, yeah. I'm not too worried about him playing again. Um, but yeah, I think um, it would be good if we knew about those, those players who I mentioned being injured, if they're fit or not. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get that tomorrow, half mm. one, at the uh, the usual Friday press conference from Thomas Tuchel. But 
Yeah, so we we both strangely we both agree, and it's going to be two one, which I don't think we've done on the podcast so far, or maybe we did last season. I can't remember, but two one's a good. I mean, I'll take two one against them, and like you mentioned, Burnley as well. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a good game. Hopefully, it doesn't ruin a Saturday night, which it tends to do if you lose on three at three o'clock. You don't want to watch any football, but yeah, two two one for me, two one for you. Any goal scorers you going to go for? You're going to go for a Kai Havertz double. I'll go for a Kai Havertz opener and uh, a Chilwell. Let's go for Chilwell again. Keep Can't stop scoring. Yeah. Five and five scoring. for Chilwell. Yeah. Be brilliant, but yeah, it'd be brilliant if he can get another one. I think he's proven himself, hasn't he? He's proven that he's not just going to be bench warming for the rest of the season. He wants to play parts and rightfully so as well. So um, a, a brilliant headache. I'm going to keep saying it on here. Brilliant mm-hmm. headache for Thomas Tuchel to have. Is you know he's got he's got a lot of headaches in certain positions, but we'll see we'll see on our next episode if we're both still smiling after uh, playing Newcastle and finding out who we've got in the Carabao Cup as well. But for those who are listening on Apple or Spotify or other streaming platforms as well, you can follow us on Twitter at from the shed end. And on Instagram, at From The Shed End with underscores between each of the words. And if you just give us a search on YouTube, From The Shed End, you should be able to find us. So like, subscribe, comment, interact with us. Tell us your thoughts as well. Tell us what you think about the Carabao Cup draw. Who do you think we're going to get? What do you think our chances are of going to the final, winning the cup as well? How important is it to win the cup? For me personally, it's a trophy, medals for the, for the players. So I think it's important. But also give us your Newcastle predictions as well. And talk to us about Mason Mount. Should he be taking penalties? I think not, but I'm just one person of many. So this has been episode 32 of From the Shed End. Theo, as always, thank you for joining us. I know you enjoy doing it just as much as I do. Um, And again, you know, the content that you put on Instagram, I say this every week, but I'm going to carry on doing it. The content you do on Instagram and and, and Twitter and everything is, is definitely appreciated. And if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do that at from the shed end underscores between each of the words on Instagram. Check it out. There's a lot of content on Instagram. I'm sure you'll like it all on there as well. But this has been episode 32 from the shed end podcast. Myself, T. Don Theo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>